0: Hey there, it's Jim. Just wanted to briefly issue a warning about this episode. While we were recording, the Skype demons paid us a visit, and as a result, some folks started to get distorted. I have done my best to edit around that, and make everyone sound somewhat human again, but you may still experience moments of anarchic confusion, and for that, I apologize. Crucible of Realms is not responsible for any feelings of chaos, confusion, disorder, disorganization, disregard, hostility, misrule, mob rule, nihilism, rebellion, reign of terror, revolution, riot, turmoil, or unrest you may feel as a result of listening to this episode. You have been warned. So without further ado, let's get on with it. Somebody's breathing into their mic.
1: That's probably me. I'll hold my breath.
0: How dare you require oxygen? It's overrated anyway, yeah. I have appeared to have just snapped part of my pencil in half. That's wonderful. No. Only part no. of it? Yeah, only part of it actually. Okay. I loved
2: it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, at least now I can tell it apart from the other ones. I must look on the bright side. It's my imp-
2: favorite because it's the shortest.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Crucible of Realms. I'm Jim. I'm John. I'm Kent. And today we have a guest with us, Gregory Weir. Hello, hello. everybody. For those of us who do not know who you are, tell us, who are you?
1: Uh, I'm Gregory Weir. I, beyond being interested in role-playing games, I make games for a living. I make video games, um, many of which involve the creation of strange and unique worlds.
0: So you do game design?
1: Yes, I mostly make Flash games, games that you can play in your browser. And in the process, I've made Ruined Worlds and Worlds Where Gravity Works Differently and Worlds With Dragons, many other kinds of worlds.
0: And you also do the Ludus Novus
1: podcast. That's correct. It's a podcast about the theory and design of video games from an artistic perspective.
0: Awesome. We are very pleased to have you with us today. Also, before I forget, I actually also just wanted to mention, we've gotten feedback. Really? Yes, Michael has sent us an email telling us that he has put together a short story about the first world that we did here, Aegis.
2: Sweet, that was
0: awesome. That is Mike from the UK. He actually heard about us through the Happy Jacks RPG podcast. So uh, also, if any of you folks listening right now are coming to us from... Uh, Hearing me ramble on for a little bit on on that podcast, thank you very much. I appreciate your checking us out. Welcome. Thanks very much, Mike, for sending that in. Um, Read the story, really liked it. And, uh, Michael, if you decide you want to put that online somewhere at some point, we'll be happy to link to it. Like uh, I've been saying, uh, anyone can use any of the realms that we put together here. They are open source, pretty much, under the Creative Commons license. So feel free to do such things, and let us know if you use them. We're always excited to hear that uh, what we're doing is getting out into the public and not causing people brain damage. Or too much brain damage. Or too, you know, it's six of one, half a dozen of the other. Okay, so (laughs) back to the (laughs) initial question. Uh, What kind of world do we want to do? Greg, since you're our guest tonight, did you have any particular thoughts or leanings as to what kind of a world you might be interested in putting together?
1: How do you guys feel about space?
0: It's big. Mm -hmm. The Final Frontier? I'm thinking we could do that. Do you guys want to do something in space?
1: Yeah, oh, yes. absolutely.
0: Okay. I'm ready for space. All right. <laughs> You're crowding I would like me, a lot more. You're crowding me. I'd like a lot more space. I'm in a tiny, tiny apartment. Do we want to do something that's more like Earth's future? Um... We want to leave Earth alone. So, and... so we're talking like a Star Trek thing. Oh Yeah, basically, it was, yeah. the two categories that we spoke of in Episode 3 was Star Wars and Star Trek, essentially, as far as... Uh, the pulp
1: sci-fi and the slightly less pulp sci-fi. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Or rather,
0: uh, sci-fi with Earth and sci-fi without Earth.
2: I would prefer to stay away from Earth-based, in my a opinion. Stay away from Earth?
0: We yep. can do that. That's not a big deal.
2: And I would like yeah. to see us not use... Uh... Uh, Humanity is okay, but... Not definitely uh, our normal appearance.
1: So no silly foreheads.
2: Silly foreheads are okay.
1: Well, very silly foreheads. Not
0: just...
1: We don't want every race to be a human with a different kind of nose.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So we're leaving humans out of the equation altogether then? Because we can do humans without doing Earth, but I just wanted to know if... Are we doing a human-centric thing or...
2: They can be annoying little
0: bugs. Uh, Ah, okay. But they're clearly not the most important thing. Correct. Well...
1: What if we went pretty far future where the technology is advanced enough that you can choose your form to a very great degree so that you might be genetically human, but you could have a body that was highly modified?
0: Does that sound good? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that works.
1: I mean, there can be other aliens, too.
0: That actually does sound kind of interesting because that implies that there's uh, an, almost a collective into which different races contribute. Where there's a situation in which individuals have say over sort of how they're going to look and appear to everyone else. Interesting. Oh, that's, that is an interesting idea, yeah, where uh, it's so far in the future that the matter-energy transference thing has gotten to the point that you can become whatever. You guys like that idea? Yeah. Yeah.
3: Now, okay, so what's our drive here? I mean, is what's this an
0: exploration the... thing? Or is this a... We need to figure out kind of what sort of themes we're looking at here, what sort of conceits we want to play with. Um...
1: So one thing that always comes up with highly advanced technology is how much is the everyday person familiar with regard to the technology? Does your average Joe understand how things work, or is technology so advanced that it's almost mystical to most people?
2: I would like to see it in everyday Useful every day rather than being mystical. So yes. the average person uses a lot of it.
3: Well, he uses a lot of it, but
0: does he understand how it works? That's the question. Ooh. It's, See, that is interesting in and of itself because that kind of almost cries out to generate a class system.
1: You've kind of got two models of, of this super advanced world. Either you've got people who are studying calculus in elementary school in order to understand this advanced science, or you've got special, maybe genetically engineered or customized people who are smart enough to understand understand this stuff and then the normal people just kind of accept that they'll never be able to be engineers
3: Hmm. and but reap the benefits of that
1: yes they 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 can certainly go down to the replomat or whatever and pick up any (laughs) sort of technology they want but they they only understand the user interface
3: are, are we talking post singularity for some and not for others
1: maybe
0: Okay, uh, I never thought I'd hear myself utter this phrase, but uh, could you explain the singularity to me?
1: Do you want to, John, or should I? Uh, you can go ahead. All right, so the idea of singularity is that technological point at which technology becomes self-perpetuating and often considered godlike, so that artificial intelligence is advanced enough that it can create new artificial intelligences, and technology sort of develops of its own accord. Um, there are various interpretations and philosophical angles on it, but I think that's the, the basic idea of the singularity.
3: Ah, okay. and, and you get to a point where this artificial intelligence is so smart that it's figured out all the problems. It's such a finite amount of its power to solve our problems.
1: And so usually a post-singularity world will be a post-scarcity world where we don't have to worry anymore about being hungry or having enough resources because we've got this hyper-advanced technology that can take care of that for
0: us. That's an interesting idea. I guess the question is, do we want to do before or after that has taken place? If we're so advanced- eh, well by we i mean if the civilization is sufficiently advanced that it has gotten to that point that a i is self perpetuating then uh
1: hmm it's hard to have as much conflict in a world where there is no death or hunger,
3: but maybe that's you know we're we've reached the singularity on the home planet, whether it was Earth or whatever. And now we're moving out
0: into the galaxy and encountering... This now that is, would be this interesting. Is how,
3: this is how other people do it.
0: That would be very interesting. So what if we say that the central race that we're going to use in here, the humanoid race, but uh, not necessarily humans, have gotten to the point their technology has achieved singularity, and they're now sharing it with everyone else.
1: And that this world, this setting will take place on the border between this growing singularity space and the people who still have stuff that they need to worry about.
0: That's kind of what I'm thinking. I'm thinking the best conflict might be there. What do you guys think? Yeah. Yep. It sounds like it might be like a particular part of a galaxy. Yeah, I think so. Like one particular, say, uh, quadrant or one particular spiral arm or what have you. Right. Yeah. A local group of stars. A local cluster of stars. Okay.
1: Now, one thing that I would vote to avoid is I, I find the argument of oh, but won't we lose some essential part of our personhood because we do not have to worry about things? I, I don't find that debate all too interesting. So I, I, I'm not it's been sure it played
2: about, out, yeah.
1: Yeah. So I, I'd like to stay away from the idea that there are Luddite rebels that are fighting against the spread of this singularity. But There could be something <laughs> more insidious going on.
0: I think that there might be an element that might be... Less trusting of it, just because we're dealing with first contact situations, possibly. But, yeah, that, that would, if anything, be a minor thing that goes on. Yeah, I, I don't see any need for full-on Luddite rebels, because, you know, if you're in space, you've already bought the ticket, pretty much.
1: <laughs> True enough.
0: So we've got a system cluster here, essentially, a cluster of solar systems. Let's think about this. Do we want to pinpoint one as being the most significant? My thought is we can define up to four of them, because there are four of us at this point. If we want to uh, play with that... But my question is, do we want to have one be in the center, or are we looking at a point that's like directly between all of them?
1: I like the idea of the singularity having an origin, that this benevolence, if it is benevolent, is spreading out from one area, and that maybe our focus points are systems that are around it that are having this wave approaching them.
0: The boundaries, yeah. So we're looking at this uh, system of origin of the singularity as kind of the hub of our main action
1: or maybe it's the place yeah. that the action is only happening at the border because everything's in perfect and perfect okay. and nice in the center.
0: Right. All right. Well then uh, once again what I'm going back to then is if we're if we're looking at it at the a point in between, essentially a point in between this system and other systems. How many other systems do we want to have them dealing with? I know we need to have them dealing with at least one other, but do we want to have them dealing with uh, two others or three others? I think we go for the four.
1: Four we go for the
3: alpha? I would think that there would be at least that.
0: Okay. Hundreds, maybe. Well, yeah, but, I mean, the, there can in practice be more than that, but I mean, this is just in terms of what we're going to kind of start defining here. Uh, um, unless that's too... I mean, well, no, it's not a big deal. What we do then is each one of us, there are four of us, we can kind of take an idea and say, okay, one system could be one that is ruled by X. One system is one that could be governed by Y. Etc., cetera, etc., cetera, if you take my meaning here. Yes. Yes, I think so. Okay. okay. Yep. So um, I am now going to randomly select Kent to uh, figure out what. Now, our, let's see, one of these, I'm sorry? Before we go there, I mean, our, yes. it's.
3: Is the origin, are we talking about Earth or are we talking about Earth from a long time ago?
0: I'm thinking that it's something where it's not necessarily humans. I I don't think it's necessarily Earth. If we want to have humans involved, it might be uh, something that is like the future of the human race that's involved there. I the
1: idea that maybe humans came from Earth, have spread out all across this area, and have changed along the way, and maybe there are other alien races too, but that it was Earth where the singularity started.
0: Well, I'm actually thinking that maybe, and I know this is a little weird, I'm thinking that maybe the singularity started on this other planet, that this is a planet that Earth colonized. Because Kent was saying that we don't necessarily want Earth itself to be involved, we want to be kind of far away from Earth itself.
1: Okay. Do we want to give Earth long-lost status? Sort of the uh, idea that people know that this, that the human race probably came from somewhere, but they don't remember where that is anymore, or it was long-lost or destroyed or something, and it's a mystery?
0: Actually, I don't have a particular feeling either way. What about you guys? That works.
3: I think we give it long-lost status, yeah. Uh, okay. Was, I'm sitting here with the computer up looking at the names of stars around Earth and Ah. They're, they're distances from Earth.
0: I'm inclined to think we're going to set this in a separate galaxy, so it's not anything where we really have to worry about that per se. I like to think that this is a... Uh, that Earth colonized a system, and then the people on that colony eventually, through whatever means, and we'll figure out if whether Earth is important to that or not as we go, but through whatever means... They achieved singularity there, and then this is now spreading out between. And our focal point is on the border between that system and four other systems. Sounds good. Yep. All right. Cool. So, so Kent, okay, you've had a couple minutes to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of system would you like there to be in here, Kent? As one of the people that is being contacted by the singularity people.
2: Uh, so you want me to determine a race? Is that what you're
0: saying? Time you can, to... if you, you. It can be. Uh, it can be a race, or we can. You can start by throwing out a concept, and we can develop it, or. Uh... Just something for whatever is dominant in that system. And it's probably going to be a race, but it can also be it can be an organization, United Things. It depends on how on how populous you want that system to be.
2: Okay. I would like to see either the main or an offshoot be mechanical in nature. Computer
0: AI. Okay. So awesome. Different AI. Actually, I really am starting to like the idea of competing AIs. Yeah. It's <laughs> an interesting so yeah, different types of AI. Yes. We're going to have the singularity people system, and then we're going to have a separate uh, a system that is run by a separate AI.
1: And the singularity doesn't need to be just an AI controlling it. It may be that the people of the singularity are still very much involved in its spread.
0: Yeah, and right. actually that might be one of the biggest differences. Yeah, Kent, would you be interested in, then in having the idea that uh, maybe it's a bunch of robots, androids, that type of thing, that are yeah. all sort of governed by a master computer of some kind? Sure,
2: yep, a brain, a master. Uh, uh, You know, a master... MCP. Like a swarm. Yes. A swarm, yeah, MCP.
0: (laughs) Do you want them to be more like robots or more like androids, or what kind of thing would you like them to be like?
2: Yeah, I'm thinking there's going to be all... There's going to be varying... There's like the worker, you know, it can be the small little things that need to get into the little tiny cracks, the regular peons that uh, just do the day-to-day things, and then things like that. So you'll have varying sizes. You'll have anywhere from the tiny to the monstrous.
0: What would you say that their government is like?
2: It's a uh, collective, so it's definitely run like the hive of a, of a bee swarm, or there's one person or one entity at the center controlling all aspects of everybody else.
0: So it's kind of like they make joint decisions, as it were, but it's all really one mind. Oh, no, yeah, it's a
1: collective, yeah. 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 Is the central entity in charge, or is it just performing its function as coordinator, and everyone kind of gets a vote?
3: Ooh, is it a hive intelligence where individuals don't really matter? It's the intelligence of the whole. Yeah, that's that's yeah. what I was going for.
0: Well, yeah. So that is the question: Is the master AI can it make decisions on its own, or does it need the collective to be able to think? It makes it on its own. So it is an autocracy. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Okay, I like this idea. This sounds almost slightly Borgish. I know that we're not quite going in that direction, but right. that's, that's actually why it's exciting. Okay, very good, very nice. Okay, so we know a little bit about those guys. John, what would you like your system to uh, be like? I'm thinking it would be something more of a challenge, something like a some creatures
3: with like a, a silicon biochemistry or something like a silicon-based life form as opposed to a, a carbon-based life form, which I think the the struggle there would be, you know, Maybe the singularity people encounter this intelligence that they don't understand how it led to an intelligence. And how do you link up with something that's so foreign from you? I don't know. It's silicon. I'm I'm just throwing that out there because, you know. Silicon is a
0: mineral. Is that right?
1: Because of its position on the periodic table, it can make lots of structures that are like the structures we use for life, but they would be different and function at different temperatures and stuff like that because of the different sizes and different aspects of the elements.
0: So are we talking like rock people, or is this uh, – what kind of people are – what kind of rubber costume should I be ordering from the costume department? I think it would
3: be very amorphous. That's the thing. It would be probably silicon, yeah, rockish or, or something yeah. of that nature. But but it's
0: very changeable then? Yeah, yeah I would – that's what I'm, I'm like, thinking. So like people of living clay – essentially is kind of... Well, I don't
3: even think that they have any kind of humanoid shape at all. I think that they're...
0: Well, people in the... Blobs. uh, Yeah, they're blobs of... Blobs of animate clay to a degree, yeah, I'm just using the word clay because it's just convenient, but I understand it's more it, complicated. The than other
3: that. thing is that silicon's one of the more common elements it's real fodder for sci-fi writers because of that
0: because ah. it's how much control do these silicon life forms have over their forms? Can they sculpt themselves as well, kind of like the singularity people can, or is this uh or is it just however you come out is how you come out? I think that they can morph. I don't think it would be
3: anything, you know, where they can look like a human or anything like that. But I think, yeah, that they can absorb mass from each other or other rocks or whatever.
0: How do they usually communicate? Or rather, how do they communicate with other life forms? Do they create parts that create sounds that sound like whatever the language is? Probably, yeah, some sort of resonance or crystalline resonance, yeah. That's very cool. So what kind of government do you think they would have in that system? I don't think they have a government at all. Are they, uh, do they just inhabit the system or are they kind of like, um... I think, yeah, I think that they inhabit the
3: system, but I don't think that they have any kind of, you know, they interact with each other. But I don't know, anybody else got any ideas here, uh...
1: So are they are they just sort of anarchistic? Is their brain structure such that they don't have to resolve conflicts in the same way that people need government for?
3: Yeah, I think so. I like that. They've spread out
0: throughout their solar system and adapted you sound like very strange stoic individuals.
1: <laughs> if, what would one of them say if you asked them to explain their organization and government? You
3: know, I don't think that any of them would recognize any kind of standard government.
0: They just don't have the concept of authority, necessarily. They each govern themselves.
2: Yeah. Do they have a sense of right and wrong? I mean, do they just take whatever they want? Are they huge enough to defend against massive forces? This will be interesting.
3: Yeah. yeah, I don't think that they've
0: encountered anything out of their solar system. Okay, so this is something where first contact is relatively recent then.
1: Maybe it's only with the advent of the singularity that the singularity people even realize that these are intelligent creatures?
3: Right. Probably they... up until somebody actually came there, did they even realize that life on that level actually could exist. It was kind of a blind spot for the singularity people. Okay, just so their don't...
1: survey missions just saw a bunch of rocky, lifeless planets and went, oh, we don't need to look into that.
3: Right, and and then maybe later somebody maybe somebody noticed something odd about oh, the,
1: the, the atmospheric
3: chemistry or something, you know, well, as they've changed mm-hmm. it.
0: Well, what I need to also ask then is that these creatures are out in space at this point. Did they do that of their own accord, or were they brought off of their home planet? Mm-mm. I mean, are they currently oppressed? Are there, are there people going in and mining on their, in their system and that
3: kind I, of thing? I, like, like I said, I don't think so. I think up until this point, nobody's ever come here.
1: So maybe they always could have gone into space, but never saw any reason to?
3: Yeah, they only go... Well, you said that they drive, spread out quite right, a bit. They spread, they spread out inside their solar system, but I don't think they've spread out. They've never chosen to go beyond. Maybe because it takes more of a complex brain to come up with a warp drive or something. Of well, course, if they're ageless, I mean, I guess you could just throw yourself at another star.
0: That was another question I had was, um, obviously they've made it into space. Did they do this of uh, of their own volition, or are they just there? I, no, I think I that... Think <laughs> Maybe the
3: planet, maybe from their development, maybe their planet just kind of broke up and formed an asteroid belt and suddenly they're out there in space. Or there was a disaster, a comet yeah. or a meteor came in and, and pulverized the planet and didn't necessarily kill any anything. Yeah.
0: Do but- they ever do anything to work together, I guess, is my question as well. Because if they do, then they would probably need some sort of system of, how do I put this? People build societies, essentially. That's kind of basic to them. So if these things are self-aware and intelligent, but they haven't actually built a society, that's interesting, but we would need to figure out what they have instead. You, you see kind of what I'm getting at? Right, right. Are their interactions with each other important to them at all, or do they just...
1: One thing that that I'm getting from this is that these things don't really have a set form individually. They don't really have a set goal. Maybe every single one of them is, even though they're sort of the same kind of creature, since every single one of them is a different shape, maybe they every single one has a different way of thought.
0: That's that. an idea. Yeah. Actually, also, something else that just occurred to me is that maybe there's not a huge population of them. I mean, there's a sizable number, but maybe it's not like anywhere near the, the number that would be on a regular planet if it were like you know, regular human type well, people. Uh, and,
3: the, yeah, the thing would be that they're very long-lived. Yeah. They're probably their life limit is based on their half-life, so the half-life yeah. of silicon, whatever.
0: Would it be reasonable to say maybe there are only like a few thousand of them, or is that too little? That's probably too little if they've
3: spread out across their solar system.
0: But so we want to say there are like hundreds of thousands of them, or millions?
1: How, how uh, big are they? Like, how big is one of them?
0: See, I didn't. I didn't. I don't know. Uh, I think that can vary, too. That's the uh, interesting part about this.
1: But if their average size is like the size of of a house, then there could be fewer of them and have them still be well spread out, because their solar system would kind of be smaller in relation to them.
3: That's true. So, yeah, they can be as big. So, yeah, I could see tens to hundreds of thousands.
0: I think that having them fewer in number makes it easier for them to not have a society. Right, right. And so that's them, these strange enigmatic thingies. I guess silicon wouldn't have a half-life. It's not a
1: radioactive, would they it? They just are. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's uh, just there may app. be radioactive isotope of silicon. Yeah, not probably, sure. yeah. Greg, what
0: kind of uh, system would you have here as one of the ones that the singularity people interact with?
1: The working name is the Dead Star Fleet. They are a race of, or a group of, people who failed at creating a singularity. They're humanoids who happen to colonize a system with a dying star and In their rush to survive as a society, they first created a Dyson sphere around their star to harvest as much energy from it as they could. And then as their star continued to die, that structure evolved into a very large ship and accompanying vehicles. And they're now this wandering fleet of ships. But in order to survive with such limited resources at the time, they had to adopt a very strict social structure, very strict rules. And at this point, They're a fully scientific, fully technological society that's governed by tradition and this is the way we've done things. This is the way we always do it. And they still do research and they still develop their society, but in accordance with some very strict and dogmatic rules.
3: Dang! Write that all that. Did you get all that, Jim? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Well, well, Jim's
1: Jim's been asking about about government and society structure, so I haven't had time to think no, no,
0: about no. this. No, I, I was just playing. No, no, that's good. You're that, just trying to make us look bad. Jim? <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, I think that.
0: <laughs> You're just trying to make us look bad. Uh, yeah, that gives us uh, that gives us what we need, I think. Hey, for uh...
1: I went third. I had the advantage. That's true.
0: <laughs> for future guests to go third. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: Strangely enough, I do have questions. Um, What do these folks look like?
1: They also, like the singularity people, are able to reshape their bodies. But because they don't have the resources that that everyone else does, they tend to use what they have at hand. And so the people can have very different layouts and structures and, and get to pick to a certain extent. But the stuff that they're made out of that's not them is technology and the dead. So. Someone might have four arms, two of them belonged to their grandfather.
0: Oh, weird. Okay. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay. That's very interesting. Uh, do they, uh,
1: they're now I mean- always by so- default.
0: I'm kind of thinking that then they look sort of like Frankensteinian cyborg-like things.
1: Yes, I assume that they're able to deal with scars and stuff like that, but that you'd definitely be able to see that this used to be a four-limbed, one-headed person, but you can tell that their extra limb has a different skin tone, and they've got that sensor array that's embedded in their skull. Kind of very obvious modifications.
0: That is interesting. That sounds so, uh, like something what? that would be on, on Doctor Who.
3: Are these, And uh, I mean that as a compliment. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs)
0: Aside from the the patchwork quality, which I like, if you were to look at them and you were to look at human beings, how would they look different?
1: Let's see. uh, They've been on ships for centuries. They probably are very pale, and I'd say that because they've been bred and controlled for tolerance for this modification, they're probably very sturdy and stocky. But other than that, they could pass as normal human beings.
3: Are they sexual or asexual?
1: I'd say they're sexual. They're not monogamous, but when society instructs them to mate, they do so in the in the traditional fashion.
0: Okay. Well, let's see. I guess it's my turn. For some reason, the thought that won't leave me alone is the idea of having lizard people. Um, I knew
1: that it would arrive at green women with you, Jim.
0: Yes, yes, sadly, yes. Uh, <laughs> the lizards are the leaders. I'm thinking of in the uh, in the fourth surrounding system that there maybe we'd have a group of uh, sort of big, bulky, slightly... Yeah, this is going to be the token militaristic race. So slightly militaristic lizard folk, I think, or lizard type people. They do not have tails. All been pulled off? It'll it pro- grow back, possibly. Yeah. Do they? Yeah. Maybe
1: they remove them as as part of some sort of adulthood, yeah. right?
0: Yes, that's it. <laughs> some of them have tails, but those are throwbacks. It's a essentially thing. they're uh, they can get around on their hind legs, but they also can, uh, if need be, they can go down on all fours. I'm thinking uh, so they they've adapted in in that fashion. They have their own ships.
1: So um, their ships would have very low corridors.
0: Yes, you you have to crawl through the corridors. There, they're all. So I guess these would be like sort of Lizard Spartan-type folks. They have interstellar travel. They've had it for a while, but not too long. They're not as advanced as the Singularity people and, and not even as the Dead Starfleet folk. By the time that the Singularity people make contact, these guys have made it to... Maybe one other system. Maybe they interacted with the AI system a little bit, and so you know maybe they'd already established a little bit of trade with them. Yeah, but at this point, they're uh, once the singularity comes out, they're like, okay, well, oh, crap, we got to catch up, and so there's uh, there's that involved, and perhaps there's you know just sort of arguments that not everyone wants to necessarily let them in because they're viewed as as uh, as warlike and primitive and uh, all that kind of thing, and.
3: It, it, I mean, is that their reaction? Is it the old, um, the Red Queen theory that you evolve to keep up with your competitor or you fall apart, basically? that's the, Kind of. It, it's it's from Alice in Wonderland, the Red Queen.
0: Yeah. Alice uh, is yeah. running
3: away from the Red Queen. She runs and runs and runs and gets nowhere. The idea in evolution is is that all elements in a system are evolving as fast as they can, so... You have something that evolves poison to keep from getting eating, eaten by the birds. Well, yeah. the birds evolve tolerance to that poison, so the, that newt gets more poisonous.
0: Uh, and you know, the interesting thing is you've just provided me with their entire structure and policy in uh, <laughs> telling me this, because uh, what I'm thinking is, early on, they did the Shatner-era Star Trek thing where it's like, there's an alien coming, blow it up! um. <laughs> But now that they're dealing more with these uh, singularity people, and they're at the point that maybe their king has decided, because uh, for some reason I've decided it has to be a monarchy, that... They need to embrace this new way. They've got to evolve to survive. These people are so far beyond us that we have got to adapt.
1: So they're a soldier race that's trying really, really hard to all become diplomats?
0: Yes. (laughs) Yes, they are. That's cool. (laughs) I like
1: it. I'm imagining these people sitting at a table and someone says something a bit insulting and they rise up and grab a weapon and then pause and calmly sit back down and say, an interesting proposition. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they're those guys. I have um,
1: a quick question for you, Jim. Yes, Yes. Um, before they turned to peace, who were they fighting with?
0: Oh, that's a good question. With themselves? Um, well, so, yeah, some with themselves probably. There might be some Civil War action going maybe on. They, hey. Maybe they wiped somebody else out. That's possible. Green. Um, mm. I like that. So they yeah. just
1: finished committing xenocide and then looked up and noticed <laughs> that everyone else was looking at them awkwardly? <laughs>
0: oh, crap. Oh, crap. <laughs> Quick, everybody looks yeah. busy. I'm thinking maybe there was this small furry race in another uh, in another system over that they were fighting with, and that they wiped out a lot of them, maybe not all of them, mm-hmm. but they pretty much got to the point they'd enslaved their planet, and they're like, oh crap.
1: What would be Cause... kind of funny is if they'd gotten to the climactic point of finally conquering the furry people, and that that's the moment that the king announced that they were going to become peaceful now.
0: Yes, exactly.
3: <laughs> that's a very Babylon 5. What do you mean, let them go? <laughs>
1: Yes, very Babylon 5, Minbari.
0: Yeah, yeah I, I can see that from the point we started talking about this being at a point between uh, different uh, uh, systems, then I, I kind of felt that that was where this might end up actually going, which is not too bad. So
3: they're not resisting the singularity. I, we need to talk about that a little bit. Well, what the singularity is doing, are they... Well,
0: and that brings us very neatly to my next point. Okay. Um, We now need to define the singularity race and uh what they're like and how they're governed and what their goal is. Now one thing we kind of already figured out mm-hmm. is that they are the descendants of humans. Is that uh are we still on the same page about that?
1: I'm cool with that.
0: Yeah, that works. So they're the ones looking for this Earth,
2: this old Oh earth. Well,
0: no, they're n- they're not necessarily looking for Earth. It's just that they're uh-huh. that that's something in their history. In their history. Okay. There mm-hmm. might be people who are interested in looking for Earth again, but that's not necessarily the most important thing that's happening here. Yeah, just what I was asking is if uh, if we're still on the same page with the idea that they are descended from humans. All right, yeah, that's fine. So how do they now differ from humans? Don't everyone talk at once. (laughs) I'd
1: say that that one of the things that, that they'd be able to do is just really casually modify themselves. So I think that fashion in this society would be, oh, you got your eyes replaced with stuff that looks like solid gold? Oh, I had a few horns put in.
3: <laughs> do they modify the technology, like do they go to a, a facility and do this, or can they do this on their own? As an innate ability?
1: I think that maybe their technology is advanced enough that it's kind of unclear. You know, as they're getting ready for the morning, they tell their bathroom to give themselves another eye and Okay,
3: then... so it's to that point where they just sort of you think it and you or do they actually tell some sort of central,
0: is it that there's a thing with maybe like implanted things that they have, or is it something where it's an external device and they just talk to the external device and it does it? I'm imagining it
1: sort of being like nanotechy or some sort of weird field where some of them like to think it, some of them say it, but it just sort of happens. Okay, and maybe, maybe that's why the spread of this singularity is, is kind of worrying, is because once the singularity reaches a place, it's just there.
0: Now what my question becomes is that since this is now a race uh, of uh, polymorphs, essentially, what is the most popular thing to look like? What do most of these things look like when you encounter them? Do they have vanity? Did we determine that they are individuals acting on a Yeah, they still have individual will. Yeah, okay. We've got that much. Maybe if we figure out sort of how they're governed in their guiding philosophies at this point. They've got a very developed self-perpetuating technology, but well, what kind of society do we want them to have?
3: Well, if you don't, the, the, and actually, I think there's a role playing game out there, and I'll have to see if I can find it. But if all your needs are met.
1: Free market. The game's called Free Market.
3: Okay. Sorry. Yeah.
1: Just you saying that was. No, for me to write. I really want to play this game.
3: Right. Yeah. I, I, I've heard good things. And if all your needs are met, what do you do? You know, because you would. Yeah, Obviously, only do something you want
0: to do. Yeah, that's kind of the central question of free market, really.
3: Right. So there has to be some person or group in this collective that wants to expand the singularity, correct?
1: Maybe their advanced technology extends to advanced conflict resolution techniques so that it's a quote-unquote democracy, but people... Communicate somehow their desires and needs to this communications net slash godlike technology field, and it then says to everyone, well, it sounds like our society wants to do this, and then people will maybe help that, maybe say, oh, that's ridiculous, I won't help.
0: Well, that's interesting, because maybe it's like they all communicate and the, the mainframe tells them different things, and uh, out of the input that it gets from everybody. And I imagine uh, that
1: a lot of people would say, well, how do we know that that's actually what everybody wants?
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: Maybe that's one of the reasons why people might be resistant to this.
0: Maybe the computer isn't your friend. Maybe you just think it is.
1: No, the computer is our
0: friend. <laughs>
3: So, but yeah, but that brings us back around. They've got to have a drive, or is it a drive? Are they exploring, and then the offshoot is that they bring the singularity with them?
0: I think maybe the idea is that enough people here wanted to share the singularity and wanted to reach out and explore that they formed a group that did this. Now, maybe their society is very egalitarian on the surface as far as these things go. But I am thinking that maybe it's just the idea of uh, the groups that form or groups that form around ideas of, you know, it's like, okay, we want to do X project, we need Y number of people to do it. So let's go make some ships and go and uh, share the joy of singularity with everyone. So you might
1: run into a ship that's like, hey, we're exploring. And you're like, who told you to explore? And they're like, no, we're a bunch of people who wanted to explore, and so we're exploring. Or we're helping you by spreading our our technology, but we don't want your technology. But it's great.
0: It's like a Facebook group.
1: Yes.
3: (laughs) (laughs) The universe as if explored
0: by Facebook.
1: I think my brain just imploded.
0: Oh, so everybody's grandmother... She flies up in her tiny ship and tries to tell you to get back home for dinner on time.
1: <laughs> so I'd imagine that there are probably plenty of people in the society who don't want to explore or share or be nice to people and maybe spend their days in an endless, deathless deathmatch with people or whatever.
0: Yeah, it could be uh, that their society in and of itself is perhaps on the surface like a utopia, but can look... Quite horrifying to people who visit, (laughs) depending on
3: which part they see. Well, so do they have that drive? They're not conquering, or if they're conquering, it's by accident.
1: It might vary from group to group. Like, you might run into a ship that is totally conquering, has crazy, badass weaponry and everything. But the thing is that if they come close enough to attack you, you start benefiting from the singularity as well. And so they can't actually damage you permanently because friend computer is like, oh, no, I won't let them die.
3: Right. Well, yeah, that's sort of where I was going with that is that I could definitely see they come across another race and it's like they don't really mean to. They don't have a prime directive, none of that Star Trek stuff. They're totally being altruistic in their their mind.
0: So I'm kind of seeing, then, that uh, these guys, will there'll be a certain number (coughs) of groups. I mean, they're going to have a lot of different groups, but there might be, say, one primary outreach group that's going out and contacting the most people, I'm thinking. Whichever one of those groups is the most popular back in the home system. So... As far as this particular scenario is concerned, do we want to just deal with that group, or do we want to also talk about an additional group that would also be involved? And this mm-hmm. is, again, from the perspective of the uh, Singularity people. Maybe
1: set up two factions that are somehow opposed, or, or, or aren't. Taking the same approach, and then maybe there would be random kind of smaller groups that you might run into that are weirder in some way. So maybe an expansionist group and a non-expansionist group.
0: The funny and ironic thing about a non-expansionist group is then they'd also be out there telling people to stop expanding. (laughs) (laughs) Might be out there undoing the singularity on people that they don't think. I like that idea.
1: So you'd get the group come by one month and be like, hey, we've got a gift. All your problems are now solved. And then a month later, the next group would come up and say, you know, I don't think you guys were ready for this after all, and take it away. Yes,
0: yes, I like this.
1: I'm (laughs) getting a definite fave feeling from this
0: Uh, society. Yeah, a giving and a taking group. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I definitely think
3: that there's a group of militant you know, violence is the answer to the question. It might be one of the sub-factions.
0: Well, yeah, there'd definitely be militant factions. I'm thinking, uh, I mean, if we wanted to, we could have them also be uh, involved in the taking group.
3: Right. Oh, I could see it in both sides.
0: Oh okay yeah they're,
3: they're both the, the expansion by, uh, by oh, Okay yeah.
1: think... the no we know what is best for you stop resisting we will help you right. Yes
0: <laughs> and
1: we're willing to shoot you because we know that once we help you we can bring you back to life
0: That's right nice okay in my head I'm kind of thinking that the the faction that's giving away the technology is probably a bit bigger than the faction that is taking the technology away again do we agree on that? Mm-hmm. Sounds yeah.
1: like that would probably keep up the interest a bit more. Yeah. Okay.
0: So with the giving faction, there is a sort of frontier military aspect, uh, which we've defined a little bit of, where it's like the we know what's best for you side. Is that part of the main structure, or you, you guys were talking about it as a subgroup?
1: I think probably the first people to show up would be the folks who are like, hey, you want this? And if the folks are like, sure, then they'll say, cool. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that the groups that we're talking about are all groups that are somehow not suitable for joining the group. These four border communities seem all like communities that would say, no, thanks, we don't want your singularity or not in the way that you're offering it.
0: Ah, okay. So all of us are resistant. well, then, in that case, then the, that kind of uh, defeats the purpose or reduces the role of the singularity people that want to take the singularity back from folks. Um, well,
1: it could be that they're sort of grudging.
0: Well, they might be trying to regulate the flow of, of other races' technology. They might go to that extent thinking that they know better.
1: Oh, so the taking-away folks are like, no, you don't get our stuff, and we really don't like what you're doing with this either?
0: Yes. I think that would make Ooh. for an interesting... Concept. Oh,
1: okay. So the taking-away people are trying to pre- actively prevent the other races from developing their own kind of singularity because they're not yet ready.
0: And I can see them having an elaborate spy network and such starting to develop because of that as well. Especially so how does
1: that... they that? look just like
3: you. Yes,
0: exactly. So, so what does that mean in the – what is it, the Dead Starfleet? They that, had the singularity or were exactly. close to it. That means that there's potential for a lot of conflict in the Dead Starfleet. Uh, yeah, I'm
1: thinking they <laughs> ran out of resources and simply they can't bootstrap themselves.
3: Right. They didn't – yeah, they never turned that last corner to actually have unlimited energy.
1: And at this point, their society is too regimented in order to make that leap because they've had to survive instead of dedicating any effort to that. And so they're kind of in the situation where they're being offered everything they ever wanted, but it's not in a way that they can accept.
0: One thing I just want to clarify, militaristic singularity people, are they uh, their own group or are they involved in one of the the, the givers or the takers?
1: I think both the givers and the takers would have some military elements.
0: But not necessarily anything that's its own thing it's just part of their individual structures then
1: i imagine there are probably some singularity folk who just go around and fight people for fun or
0: well yeah that too yeah but i'm talking more in the context of what we've established at this point so they'll have uh, officers within each of those things that go okay all right how are the givers set up what is their structure what are they like how do they operate do they have a single admin or uh what do they do
1: I'm imagining some guy with a checklist going, oh, well, they didn't accept the initial meeting, so next it's on to the offering of exchanges and favors, and if that doesn't work, then we'll send in the mass driver fleet. <laughs> Okay, very good. So
0: so they've got like a single administrator then.
1: I don't know. Maybe bureaucratic so that friend computer sends down their current consensus procedure and that each kind of group of ships is just kind of led by whoever likes being the guy with the checklist. I don't know.
0: (laughs) They're the Vogons. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I like that. So each ship is uh, is an individual unit or do they uh, overall does this giver group have a particular person who interprets for the computer through which everything goes or does the computer just directly interface with each of the captains? I think it I think it directly I think it's yeah, it's it's a direct okay. kind of consensus So maybe we say there are like, uh, what, a dozen captains? And I'm just using, I just grabbed the word captain out of the air just as the idea of the captain of that particular
1: ship. Maybe there is a small group of first contact diplomacy folks, and then a group of no really, here's what we've got to offer folks, and then a group of, all right, fine, we'll wipe you out and then bring you back.
0: Yeah. So these are the ships within the giver group, yes?
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: And so we like the idea that, that essentially they're each – that the, the giver group is governed by, say, like a, a dozen captains, each, you know, a, a, each one yeah. of each ship. Yeah. And
3: I think that the militaristic people spawned out of – they realize that they needed a defense. And maybe it ran away, it got...
1: Oh, yeah, like they showed up in a system, and they all got blown up, and that was really inconvenient, because it took days for them to reassemble themselves.
3: Right, and so they were like, okay, that doesn't happen next time.
0: Yeah, okay. So each ship is kind of dedicated to a different sort of way of doing it a little bit, like you said. And we don't have to define them all. Actually, I think the three that Greg threw out while we were talking about it, I think that'll work, is just as far as examples. So how are the... uh, are the takers structured are they structured the same way or are they different no i think they're more covert okay until it's time to unless, uh, unless... so maybe they're they're like a, an intelligence agency
1: are they like um, terrorist cells, or like James Bond, There, you get pulled into a dark room and M tells you what to do?
0: I kind of like the idea of making them a James Bond outfit, even though they're trying to control things. They'd have a single person who's like their M. They're sort of their controller, and then they're, uh, uh, well, actually, they, they can have whatever equipment they want, so they don't really need Q. Yeah, I like the idea of them being kind of like a, a spy agency. It's probably because I've been reading Le Carre lately, but... What do you guys think? That makes sense. They show up and,
3: I mean, they investigate. So I'm sure that there's got to be some sort of scout. Well, the question is, do they just follow around behind the other guys? I think sometimes they do. Sometimes, and then other times...
1: I think there's also the sort of them making sure that other societies aren't getting ahead of themselves on their own, and then also cleaning up after random singularity folks who go off on a joyride or.
0: Oh, uh, so they're almost the police. Yeah, in a
1: way. Uh, yeah. uh,
3: Self appointed police? Yes,
1: yeah.
0: exactly. And so you'd have the ones that are more local and then the ones that are more kind of deep cover that go off and uh, examine the, uh, the people in the other four systems, make sure that they're not advancing too much.
1: It's self-appointed secret police. Right. Yes.
0: Before we proceed um, and talk a little bit a little bit about the area and history, is there anything anyone wants to add about any of these groups real quick? Yeah, I need a, uh, a name for the robotic group. Yeah, I mean, if you have a name ready, we can, uh, I, we can start calling them that. That's not a big deal uh Corvi the Corvi mhm C O R V E E just looking around it's
2: um a name given to helper robots Oh, okay. I'm thinking the robots are assisting the race that didn't quite make it to uh, Singularity. The robots are looking for more ways to gain uh, resources as well.
1: So is this they, like an alliance between societies, or are you imagining them kind of living together?
2: Living together, because the people can actually live on a giant space station made by the robots. That could be uh-huh. their, their living, you know, it's a, it's an entity, kind of like Moya from uh, Farsi. state. <laughs>
0: Um, is this for everybody, or is this just for them and the Dead Star mm-hmm. Fleet?
1: So, the Dead Star Fleet failed singularity, right? Mm-hmm. What if their failed singularity was that they made the Corvy? Mm-hmm. And the Corvy were like, hey, that's cool, I'll totally help you out, and you can keep the ship you've made, but uh, we got somewhere to be. <laughs> so, there's this corvi society that is... The descendants of the most advanced Dead Star AIs. Mm-hmm. And they still probably consider themselves friends with the Dead Star folk. The Dead Star folk probably are a little resentful.
0: But they left. And, and oh, so, it's, a different, yeah. it's a different generation now, though, probably. Mm-hmm. So it, and th- there may be some historical resentment, but it might be slightly. Yes, but with the
1: Dead Star fleet and tradition, their, <laughs> well, their, <that's>, their resentment <laughs> is probably codified. They probably have a, a 10 minute <laughs> resentment period each day. <laughs>
3: We're there.
1: So I'm imagining that the core of you are very, very helpful to the Dead Star people, and the Dead Star people, if they could, would not accept the help, but need it.
0: <laughs> well, now let us pause for ten minutes of resentment. <laughs> <laughs> this concludes our broadcast day. Now let us stop for a moment of resentment. Um...
3: Is that you're at like how the way to make your at the Corvi Star?
0: This kind of station that the Corvi have set up is that one just for themselves, and I can see them having multiple little space stations kind of around.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, but one of them is more like, central and larger than the rest.
0: Let me ask about that one. Uh, would they have actually built that one at the edge where everyone is, or are they, uh, or is that just their own within their own system? No, it would have been built at the edge where everybody is. Converse. Okay, is it a space station, or is it a, uh, what is this thing? Do they That's like no planets? Moons.
1: Do the, the Corvi use planets? Do they like, like, I don't know, going camping or something? Or do they just exclusively exist on <clears throat> artificial structures?
2: Artificial structures. need raw materials in order yeah. to make their structures.
1: So the Corvi will, like, descend on a planet, and then when they leave there will be a very large space station and no planet anymore.
0: I can see them getting along real well with the Silicon people. They might have been the ones that actually found the Silicon people. They descended
2: upon a planet and the Silicon people are there taking their resources and the Silicon people are like
0: uh... Basically uh, I kind of what I'm getting at here is in the, if, we're, if we're talking about this uh, area in between where most of the quote-unquote action would take place, what kind of things do we have there? Is there a place there specifically? Is there anything like a space station or is or is there like a planet out there somewhere? Like some sort of modified asteroid or something that's been put together for use of these various races?
1: I'm kind of imagining that this is just sort of an expanding sphere, a border zone, that there's no real central meeting location. Okay. But that it's just the frontier. There's I'd... no
0: Babylon five, huh? No. <laughs> Okay, no, I'm fine with that. That being the case, what would we consider to be, say, like, the uh, the two to four most important locations, by important I mean where most of the conflict would take place, humanity, interchange, that kind of thing. Where would we see the most of that? What places would we see the most of that? Where would the most stories unfold in this setting?
1: Well, the, both the Silicon folks and the lizard people are relatively stuck in one place right right kind of by necessity their home systems that be prominent we could just say the home system of each of the four border races and then the central world where singularity people live
0: so the primary uh, action would take place on the home worlds for each of the four and then the singularity world or yeah in and around those yeah spawn point yep <laughs> could the,
1: there point, yeah. could there be a place where that not a, I'm not thinking a Babylon Five, but a place that's safe from the singularity, where it's kind of maybe it's a very dangerous place, but it's a place where at least folks can meet up and not be worried that they're going to be infected.
0: I you know I'd almost want to put that in the Rock People's territory. Yeah, I was about to exactly. say that too. So maybe there, there's like. Something that they can do to resist the singularity.
3: Well, they're they, noise,
0: they're probably
3: Yeah, they are probably places in
0: their system. Maybe it,
3: being. I know I'm talking not- about this like it's a
0: virus, but you know well, what I mean. Being
3: that they're that they're not really completely biological, they're not n- conventional biology. Maybe there's a planetoid in close to their sun that's where the singularity just. Cannot reach. It's not, yeah, there's something, either the radiation from the sun or. Mm.
2: Well,
1: we've been talking, you you, you, were, you, were mentioning that they can kind of absorb matter from each other and from stuff yes. and can right. do stuff with energy. Maybe the same thing that made the hive robots stop is also what stops the singularity, that, that the silicon mm-hmm. people themselves could just sort of go, oh, no, I'm going to take, I'm going to steal the energy from that and make it not work.
0: Uh, yeah, I see that. Okay, so maybe this uh, maybe this planetoid is actually itself one of these life forms, or it's related. Well, maybe that might be a bit too weird.
1: Or the massive
0: corpse
1: <laughs> of one of the life forms. And
0: Ooh, its voice is played by Orson Welles. No, no, yeah. maybe something else.
1: Yeah, um, I like that.
0: Could be a corpse of a of the orc? an ancestor. Yeah,
1: maybe one that the hive robots killed with their mining.
0: Yeah, that, work. yes, that works nicely. Damn. Okay. Damn, you can't kill me. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's all your fault! You killed <laughs> Grandpa! <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> okay, so let's name stuff. Let's start with the races. What do we want to name the Singularity people? They're the kind of the keystone here.
1: We could be cheesy and just call them Utopians.
0: Actually, I, I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah that works. Okay, the Utopians. What do we want to call the... Okay, we've got the name for the robot people. Mm-hmm. They're the Corvi. Uh, What do we want to call the Silicon people?
3: I'm thinking it's going to be very basic. They would never call themselves that. That's the thing. Something like, okay, here we go, 284. It's the number of electrons per shell in Silicon. They are the 284? No, not the 284, 284. There's no the. It's like Batman. There's no the Batman.
0: (laughs) Their their name is the... (laughs) Their name is a number. Is a number. Hmm,
2: interesting. They
1: probably get called rocks.
0: Yeah. 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 They probably get called the rock people or silicon life forms. but I guess their name translates as 284. Or Terra. That's our... (laughs) We could call them the Terrans. That would be funny. All right, so 284 or slang. They could be called rock people, silicon people, silicates, Terrans, whatever. Do the Dead Starfleet call themselves the Dead Starfleet? Of course.
1: Probably in formal situations, there's a much longer title but for casual conversations of type 4, 5, or 6, Dead Starfleet is acceptable. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> Alright, what do we want to call the Lizard People? Something with lots of S's and X's.
2: <laughs> Wagoshian? What's that? Wagoshian, or Wagosh?
0: Actually, uh, I like <clears throat> the idea of shortening that and just calling them the Goshians. The Goshians? So how are you spelling that?
2: Just G-O-S-H-I-A-N.
0: Yeah, sure. I'm good with that. With the Corvide, does their master
2: AI have a... Uh, oh, yeah. A... Uh, hold on, I had it here a second ago, and now it's gone.
0: Uh, let's come back to it. I'll, I'll look here okay. for what I want, where I found right. it again. What do we want to call the Utopian's mainframe? Should we just call it the mainframe, or do we want to call it something else?
1: I kind of like the idea that, that if they talk about it, they talk about it as Utopia. Like, it is them, and they are it.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. I
1: totally think that the givers and the takers should be called the givers and the takers.
0: Oh, really? Yeah, that was my next question, is that uh, the givers and the takers, um... Really think they should just call them the givers and the taker? Givership, takership. Okay, I'm you totally,
1: know, I... I'm totally open to other names.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, I think the givers would call themselves the givers, or some sort of, uh, gift ships, or what have you.
1: Oh, I like I like gift ships. Gift ships. <laughs> yeah. But
0: I think the takers would actually select a name for themselves.
1: Yeah, something highly appropriate, carefully calculated to have the optimal yeah. possible impact.
0: It Actually, it would probably be an acronym.
1: It should be an acronym like SHIELD, where it spells out a word.
0: The UIU, the U- Utopian Intelligence Unit.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> The UIU.
1: If we can come up
0: with a with a word. Then that's cool. But now, is there a controller just called like the controller, or uh, is there a separate title we would use?
1: I like the idea of every member being referred to as, uh, and then the noun representing their role.
0: Yeah. Okay. Are we okay with the, the the title the controller? All right. What do we want to call the corpse world? Oof. The world that's in the two eight four system. Oh. Oh. Where um. everyone, where a lot of people meet, and the singularity cannot spread. The Event Horizon? We could just call it Horizon. Ah, yeah. Because that's good, it's near a sun. The Utopians' world, What do we know what we want to call it? Or do they also just call it Utopia? Like the world, my the, <laughs> mainframe, and the people Why are all the same they? thing.
1: Yeah, it seems to make perfect sense. It's a perfect world.
0: What is the Corvi world called? Oh, I'm sorry, what is their primary space station called? It would
2: have to do something with uh, Vulcan, uh, a similar form of Vulcan, another name for Vulcan. Yeah.
1: Hephaestus? Is that how you pronounce it? Hephaestus
0: is the,
2: Hephaestus,
0: yeah, the... Hephaestus is the Greek, yeah. The Greek, okay. um, And then uh, Mulciber is the, uh, mm. the name that Milton gave him. Ooh, I Mulciber, like Mulciber is
1: kind of a cool name. I, yeah. yeah,
2: I like Mulciber. Yeah. I like they don't use too. that as often. And then what? the computer AI, Alterra.
0: Alterra? Mm-hmm.
2: Altera. Altera? A-L-T-E-R-A.
0: Okay. And uh, let's see, for the Silicon folk, if they have a main world that they congregate around, do you know what they would call it, or is there a separate name? Do they bother to call it anything? I don't think that they bother to call it anything. Planet X or what have you, okay. And uh, the. We're zero. <laughs> zero. <laughs> <laughs> Return to Zero. And uh, the Dead Starfleet, um, is there a world that they've settled on primarily as their homeworld currently?
1: They are just the, their fleet. And before you ask, I should inform you that it's a violation of 84 different edicts to ask what the name of the star was.
0: Ah, I see, okay. <laughs> 84 different edicts, huh? Do they have a primary hub in their system that they work around? <laughs> a primary place where they hang out? Well, they've they
1: turned the star into a ship, so I imagine that that, that would be it. And that, that would, Well, it would just be the fleet, because there are a bunch of other ships that sort of float along with the big main one. So it
0: would just be their mothership. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. We Call it what kind of talus yeah, or something? Yeah, what, what do they call their mothership?
1: Maybe just mothership. Maybe fathership. <laughs> I don't know. Fathership. Father, mother. Mm. Yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. They call it mother. So
0: is that like the, the way that people name their boats? It's like the mother, or is it? No, like, it is. Uh, it is mother. Mother. It's mother.
1: <laughs> and It is okay. the mother. It is the mother of each and every one of them. As family ties of that sort are inefficient.
0: Okay, so last thing we need to do is uh, we need to name this setting. Mm. Um, what do we want to call this uh,
1: setting, this scenario? Something like Utopian Horizon, mm. or Singularity Horizon, or...
0: I kind of like the Utopian Horizon. That's mm. uh, a good sort of com- combination of things. Yep. Or just Utopian Horizon. Utopian. Utopia Horizon. Yeah. What do you
1: guys think? Yeah, that works. Yeah, Utopia Horizon.
0: Utopia Horizon? Yeah. Okay. All right. This is Utopia Horizon... And just like all the other settings, I'm going to go ahead and get this into the wiki, and uh, it will now be usable by anyone under Creative Commons. All you need to do if you want to use Utopia Horizon in your writing or in your games is just credit the podcast, and it's totally free to use. Do whatever you like with it. Greg, thank you very much for hanging out with us. I appreciate it. Thank you yeah. for having me. I had a lot of fun. This was fun. It was and, great uh, having you along. Yep. And if people want to find you online, where should they go?
1: Ludusnovus.net. L-U-D-U-S-N-O-V-U-S dot net.
0: And if any of you folks out there want to contact the rest of us, we are at jim at crucibleofrealms.com, john at crucibleofrealms.com, and the mad gamer at crucibleofrealms.com. And uh, thank you very much for listening. And uh, we, will, we will see you guys suddenly, sooner or later. Bye. See you later. wonder how many Talk times to we to can later. say goodbye this time.
3: Farewell. <laughs> I'll God be the same.
0: Thank you for listening to Crucible of Realms. Do you have comments or a question? Have you used one of our settings? Tell us about it. You can contact us at podcast at crucibleofrealms.com or leave a review for us on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. Or if you'd like to contact one of the hosts individually, you can find our emails on the website at crucibleofrealms.com. From there, you can check out the wiki with all the settings we've created so far. Those settings and this podcast are released under a Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 license. The opening and closing theme was composed and performed by Kevin MacLeod of Incompetech.com.